Welcome back to the live series podcast where we speak with leaders in the tech industry about their insights, challenges and their journey. It's Miranda Marshall here and I'll be your host today. Today I'm speaking with Robert, the CEO of Clean Hub, touching upon the highs and lows of building a startup. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Robert, um, and I'm excited to hear your story. So I think to start off, it would be good to tell the our listeners about your background and a little bit of clean hubs background as well sure first of all thanks miranda for having me uh, it's a pleasure to be here today and yeah so my background i'm robert originally from germany um moved to denmark seven years ago for my master and uh, yeah that we uh, i became friends with uh, two italian guys like one simone through my program and uh, Giuseppe to a common friend and then uh, once we were just sitting out uh, at their place having like Thai takeaway a huge amount of plastic waste from all the single-use packaging and then we just thought like okay maybe we can do something about it we started brainstorming thinking about stuff always doing that when we were hanging out together and then actually it was summer 2019 and then uh, National Geographic was hosting an ocean plastic innovation challenge so and we just uh, saw there's like was one million dollar prize pool also from Sky Ocean Ventures you maybe know even um, so it was from from Sky and National Geographic so one million dollar prize pool and we said hey uh, let's have like a, make a nice presentation and we did that and we became finalists won five thousand dollars and then we started working on cleanup uh, on on what later became cleanup so that's basically. The, uh, how everything started so friends um, experts going to Denmark studying there and then uh, yeah building a company wow what did you study in Denmark uh, we, we studied strategic market creation so that's also oh. a master in like innovation strategy and also entrepreneurship and actually now thinking back what we did with reusable packaging and also the technology about it so it, it kind of fits very well because it's kind of we, we create a, a new market or kind of packaging as a service as we also call it so that was quite nice yeah definitely course a course that you'd want to do if you were thinking about starting a business as well so yeah, yeah. um pretty good choice and obviously the national geographic competition that you entered in where where did you find out about that was it just online it was actually on facebook a long oh, time wow. ago <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh great and how many uh, how many not companies sorry how many groups entered was there quite a lot I, th I remember it was around 300 applications wow. and then there was like three tracks, uh, circle economy track, design track and something else. And it's funny, we actually came into the design track. So not really in the circle economy track, because actually what we do is, is absolutely circle economy. Um, so we really had a focus um, quite a lot on, on designing, on, on creating a system, on um, also packaging. So we basically were 2D printing and designing some some reusable boxes and cups and all these things. Um, and back in the days, actually, I completely forgot to mention, we were called actually Reboo, reusable bamboo, because we thought we do this with uh, bamboo packaging and not plastic and all these things. Um, but then by digging way more deeper, we, it became clear that uh, actually plastic or metal is like a way better material than these kind of composite materials. Mm. And um, yeah, but we learned so much on this. And also we actually did, we were invited to fly to Washington, D.C. to pitch uh, in December 19 at the National Geographic headquarters. And that was really a nice start because we met super uh, like a lot of other startups. We had great uh, yeah mentors, judges there. And it really kicked us off like having this little trip to um, to DC and then even to New York afterwards, right before Corona as well. So it was like, oh, wow. a, I think probably the 
best start, uh, the best way to start a, a startup by, by having this this amazing journey before. Yeah, and you mentioned there obviously you changed from bamboo, which is obviously compostable, to reusable plastic. Mm-hmm. When was that? When did that change happen? It was actually um, right before. So we just had samples from these bamboo fiber materials, and it was really this trip to to the US where it was clear that. Or like the research um, leading to that, and because you, of course bamboo is amazing material, it's the fastest growing plant. Yeah. Um, but the the issue is you always have to bind it with some plasticizer. With and most of the time it's melamine, and and then actually melamine with the co- uh, connection of, of coffee, which is hot and acidic. Um, then in the end, uh, it's it's really bad. And then it was also the you changing some laws that is labeled differently, or some studies came out um, that actually melamine hurts your liver and stuff like that. Oh wow! And and afterwards, you also can't recycle. So once you bind uh, the bamboo with with this plastic, basically, uh, you can't recycle it. And it's weaker than than pure plastic and all these things. So it was kind of, it was quite clear then that it's not the thing. And we then actually decided for stainless steel because it's recyclable, it's durable, and all these things. So the first products we actually um, had was um, a stainless steel uh, box for for food for takeaway. Then late, later on, um, metal cups, the double wall stainless steel cups. And then actually, just recently, then a year afterwards, we launched then uh, reusable plastic bowls and cups and so on. Okay, yeah, cool. And I thought, and and obviously, when you said um, at the very start, when you were brainstorming with your friends, getting tired takeaway, I'm sure many people can re- relate to that. I know, obviously, there was a lot of plastic packaging there, and it can be quite overwhelming as well. The amount of stuff that comes through that you put in the bin, so. What made you start decide to start Clean Hub? Yeah, I think we we always liked the challenge and also kind of looking. We want to do something sustainable, so we were just shocked by this. And uh, I think also the like this idea to uh, we can make it smarter, we can do it better. Uh, or, or there's like we know these systems you have in Germany and Denmark, also like the, the, the deposit systems for the cans and the bottles. Something like this that you you make sure that the pro that the material comes back, stays in the loop, gets recycled, and all this. So I think it was really kind of this one was really the uh, the impact, the sustainable uh, area, and the other was more like the business. So like, hey, we we studies entrepreneurship, uh, or we, we had some great idea, uh, we can create a brand and build all of this. So I think it was these two factors, like um, making something better. Because it's uh, if it's us having a mutual amount of plastic waste, we know a lot of other people as well, and we also know, of course, like it's it's a huge huge issue for the environment. It always ends up in the uh, in the landfills, or it gets burned, or you have it at the beaches. Also, I had some previous experience when I was uh, my exchange in Asia in Bangkok with my exchange. It was just bad. Like it was so much plastic waste everywhere, and and so basically, what everything came together in this one one Thai takeaway uh, dinner, I think it was, and then um, yeah, we started working on it. Yeah, I think I've seen videos before of like bananas being wrapped in plastic, and it it's just that's crazy. Um, But yeah, I think it's obviously a great idea. And with all the government guidelines with single plastics being banned, um, what date is that? Is it 2030 that they're being banned? Or is it a bit later? Yeah, there are different ones. The European Union, they're now kind of uh, trying um, to make a lot for um, for 2030, yeah? yeah, so that you have like reusables there or you have recycled content, stuff like that, and then in 2040, even higher ones. So I think right now they're discussing, for example, for food and for drink packaging, around 20% reusable in 2030 mm-hmm. and then in 2040, around 80. So really, I think it became clear that's the only way is going to reusable or banning certain types of plastic. Everyone knows this, this straw, like straws are banned, I think almost everywhere now. Mm. Uh, plastic straws or certain type of plastic so that's really 
a lot of legislation coming. Uh, national laws are there as well. So Germany has some uh, packaging laws uh, promoting reusable packaging. Uh, yeah, Netherlands just launched it in June, like yeah, beginning of this month, basically. So yeah. there's a lot of movement going on there. So finally yeah. as well. Yeah, and it was obviously great for the environment, but for business case as well for yourself, I bet you're thinking, yeah, that this will be good for us in the next like 10, 20 years or so. You'll definitely hopefully see the the benefits of it as well. What do you forecast the business to grow from that? Yeah, we, we knew when we started 2019 or when we launched in, in 2020, um, we knew we were way too early because in Denmark, for example, which is our home market, we knew the law is coming 2025. So this extended producer responsibility, this really creates a huge market because suddenly there's a, like a fee on single-use packaging, so it gets expensive. So reusable options which we provide are, are more interesting. Um, so I think it's the, this whole market is driven by legislation. Uh, we see in other countries uh, where similar startups like us uh, performing that this helps a, a lot adoption to to get adoption to get new partners in. But still, also after the, um, having some laws, um, like none of them are perfect, and you can see also the adoption rate is not high enough. So even though there is a reusable option there, it's still like maybe one to ten percent. So there's a lot of room to improvement. But we really, I think consensus out there is that we need some some legislation so i think that's really really helpful especially for a startup it's uh, there's some they just recently came a report out from from uh, zero waste uh, europe i think it was called um that it takes around three years for our system to become like kind of profitable um so it's you it's like a big investment beginning with reusable packaging and it's circulating you high high adoption because it's such a small margin business and over time it's more sustainable also financially sustainable as well takes yeah. just time yeah definitely okay and obviously I know that you got five thousand dollars was it uh, on that competition yeah. Uh, yeah. which is obviously great but probably doesn't get you very far in today's world so uh, <laughs> talk us through the funding like what's it been like to generate funding and what have you had to think about before you think of receiving yeah, I think uh, it was great in the beginning. So it, it, it got us started. We could buy some samples and all these things. But yeah, as you said, 5,000, you, you won't get far from a startup. So in the beginning, we reused our own funds. And then we there were some programs where we got some funds. Um, and then we slowly started expanding. Also, we were, we were really cheap in the beginning. We got a very uh, cheap app developed and stuff like that. So we were a very, very lean. Um, but of course, by scaling up, buying more products, um, especially the yeah, metal boxes or cups and so on, that's quite a high price. So, um, yeah, we basically did some accelerator programs, some with funding. So that I think is something I always can recommend and do some programs because you get like money, of course, but also you get a lot of knowledge. Uh, and also then that helps for later fundraising, get traction. And then, yeah, we, we got some um, some investors and business angels in as well. Um, okay. But in the end, we were lucky that kind of we got a lot of, well, most of the money we got basically 2021. Um, where was a lot of money available uh, last year was really really tough 2022 was really really tough for fundraising as, as you also probably know and then um yeah now we do we're raising funds again so yeah. i think it's and the question was basically about what to do like how to prepare for that i think it's it's super important um yeah first to understand also the perspective of investors what's out there like business angels vcs grants all these things uh, soft money hard money all these kind of things and yeah, I think, especially when you earn, like I think what they say, pre-seed and so on, it's really important about the team um, because you won't have many metrics, you won't generate so much revenue that you get, um, yeah, 
judged on this. It's really about the team, the vision, also execution. I think that's something um, also what get us there because we had a lot of traction. We had a lot of partners, um, banks, coffee chains. So especially the, the investors see like, okay, these guys are performing. Um, they have a nice idea. And yeah, so I think that's early stage is always about team traction, of course, more vision and so on. And then later on, it goes more into financials and other things. Yeah. And obviously, I know you had coffee change there, which is who you supply the reusable packaging to as well. So how many um, how many clients or how many customers did you have at that point? I think when we started fundraising, I think we had around 30 partners, uh, 30, okay. 40 partners. At this time, actually, there some VCs were writing to us. So it was also really nice to see that they, they reach out to us. <laughs> And and then it was uh it was quite interesting then the first time like talking to investors understanding their viewpoint um their fears as well and how it's regarding scale uh, scalability and all these things so it's really nice also having these open dialogues and I mean we learned a lot by speaking to different kind of investors VCs and business angels who have also different risk profile or the kind of a different yeah setup behind and um, yeah I think that was really really cool um to start up with. And how were they getting in touch with you? Like, why were they, what was the main selling point of Clean Hub for them? I think it was completely new, um, like kind of the reusable packaging. We, we built a digital system where you can rent them out. And, and through our app back in the days, it kind of helped you to, it's for free. So you go to a cafe, they have our packaging there. Through our app, you rent, uh, say, a coffee, a reusable coffee cup for free for 10 days. And then you can return it to all the partners and Yes, it did. I mean, this time we had 30 to 50 partners. And so they saw that we had this network and they liked the idea that you kind of share the packaging between these, these coffee chains and chains. And so it was really also cool to see that that several big brands were part of it and without their own packaging. So you can take it from one to the next. And um, so we kind of built this ecosystem. I think that was very interesting for these investors at that time. Yeah, definitely. And obviously with all the legislation coming in, they probably looked at it and thought, um, it's, it's obviously a great product and a great concept to invest in as well. So um, it's good. Now, obviously, the main driver for you is probably the environmental stance. So talk about some of the challenges you faced in an environmental market, because I'm sure there's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think also in the beginning, we really, when, we, when we started, we went door to door to the coffee chains, the restaurants and pitched it to them. And actually, we started with the, with the environmental concerns, like how much waste you can prevent and all these things, uh, CO2 and yeah. But then it became quite clear that actually they always were looking at the price. And also, when they hear about sustainability, they always believe it's more it's more expensive and all these things. And it's not actually. The thing is really you have to uh, to fight against this. And, and then we also really switched the pitch and then we, we showed them actually how much money they can um, they can save by, by, by using reusable packaging because you don't have to buy all the time new, new paper cups, uh, which you basically sell them with your coffee to, to your customers. So it was really this kind of this, this main perception that anything which is more sustainable, more green is more expensive. I think that was really the, the main perception. And then, of course, the whole greenwashing thing that ah, our cups are biodegradable and all these things. And, and that these, like, the kind of, I mean, I understand, like, as your restaurant, restaurateur, you're not an expert in packaging. You, you go there, you see it, and you buy it, and you think it sounds great or, or it looks very sustainable, but it's not. And we, like, we became quite good experts understanding actually uh, and going through this greenwashing and we're able also to ed educate them that actually, yeah, maybe bamboo packaging is not great. What is biodegradable is, is really not working. And um, yeah, 
So I think that's really the, the, the main issues. And then, of course, being open to something new. I think it's something as well. So that, that this is actually that you can't purchase us or that can purchase our products. You're kind of part of the system. You rent this from us and all these things. So that's a, it was it was quite tough to to change people's mind in the beginning. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you've touched on it there, like a biodegradable cup, like everything's biodegradable in the long run, but it, it just depends how long it takes to degrade in that. And I think what's great as well is greenwashing which you touched upon there there are some regulations coming in in the next couple mm. of years which are going to really clamp down on greenwashing i mean a lot of companies do it especially within the fast fashion industry and a lot of companies like that so that'll be good to it's it's more information than not isn't it because you can put as much information out there as you like but if the viewers are not that informed in the right respect then it's kind of like a revolving circle so it's good that you're informing how open were the business owners to hearing about it and hearing about a different stance on the environmental way actually i would say quite a lot especially like some of the premium coffee chains we're working with they tried um, to bring to have like own reusable cups and stuff like this or if you bring your own cup you get like a discount and stuff like this Especially for the for the coffee uh, segment, I think they were quite open and tried their own thing, but it was also hard to do. It. They even don't know where what kind of cups they should buy and stuff like this. So I think it was really um, they were open restaurants. Um, I mean, um, it depends a bit. Also, we of course at the beginning target more the the premium brands um, and also more the sustainable like the salad bars, the vegan ones, not not the burger or the pizza or something like that, right? So we we also choose kind of our our easiest clients. I also want to go really quick back to basically to to greenwashing what you said also with biodegradable because it's sometimes that's also what we see in the industry quite a lot people say yeah it's biodegradable but it's only biodegradable in an industrial composter so when it's right. the right amount of heat or the right amount of microbes and water and so on which sometimes it gets even heated so they you heat up the waste so it can biodegrade but the issue is then it so it might be true it's biodegradable under this amazing lab setup but it, it never ends up there because we as the customer don't sort it right or we don't put it in, in the bio bin and stuff like this so it's such a mess and, and then sometimes you sort it in a regular plastic and then this biodegradable plastic basically pollutes the regular plastic which could be easy to to recycle and so on so there's so much stuff going on so much like uh, so many decisions will go wrong so as the user, as, sorry, as, as, as the person who sorts it wrong, or then there's not the infrastructure behind it. And it's it's just a mess. So I think that's that's a classic thing. Um, the, people don't really understand that biodegradability. And then it's proven as well that people just claim it and then they find bags who are still around for four years and uh, this, nothing is biodegraded. So yeah <laughs> oh yeah that, that's a really good piece of information actually I didn't know that myself um but about the compost uh, compost which is good so I know that we touched a little bit on your customers there and a lot on the b2b side uh, I know that you're in b2c as well so yes. how are you grabbing the attention of your b2c customers yeah, I think uh, we that's also what we try to clean up to create a brand or like a movement. So it's just not, not a packaging company no one knows about. So that was really important for us as well that we kind of have a cool brand or kind of make some content where people understand actually this is something cool or why it's easy and, and have like some... Because, yeah, I think it's it's tough at being B2B to C, right? It's not only one challenge where we have to convince the, the restaurants and the cafes be part of our, our solution. And then, of course, we need to make sure that, that once you enter one of the cafes, you understand it. 
So I think for us, it was that we have to be very clear. Uh, we have also have to educate them because, as I mentioned, there's so much information you don't know. Uh, we, we just learned everything by ourselves now and understanding the differences between all the types of packaging or, or the waste or everything, what happens afterwards when you drink a coffee cup. Because you just, in the morning, you just want to have a nice warm coffee and then in the end, you don't realize what's happening afterwards. So for us, it was really a lot of education and also kind of this movement, the brand that people are kind of proud to do it because there was... We heard some stories that people were kind of shy because everyone gets a paper cup and then you do you're in a line and suddenly you ask for a reusable cup. Uh, so that's that was even an issue sometimes in Denmark. So we have some research on this actually. Um, so yeah, there was uh, quite quite a lot of challenges. Um, but in the end, I think um, yeah, of course we got like some early adopters really into that. Um, actually, when we launched, it was also like young mothers basically around 30, 35, uh, going around with their baby strollers. Um, so we never thought that this is basically the our first segment. We thought it's more like uh, students and young ones. Mm. Um, but then actually, um, yeah, it was quite nice to learn. Yeah, and I think like mo- young like mums with babies, like they do group together as well, and they're very influential. So <laughs> if you get one lady that uh, or a man as well that is um got a baby and they're going on their walks then it's more likely than not that they'll probably pass their information on and and start a trend within that group as well now obviously I think going back to the business point as well I think you probably identified a little bit of a need within these companies obviously they've tried the discount the their own reusable cups and it's coffee shops like that's just not their business model is it so you've obviously found a need there but I think it's really hard to find and establish a need within a customer and consumers mm. like myself. I think you kind of have to give the information and they want to change themselves. So I think it is really hard to develop that persona and find those groups of people as well. So it's going to be a bit of a longer process, isn't it? I'm, I bet you'll reap the rewards pretty soon. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a long game. So if anyone wants to be make uh, game rich fast or, or make a lot of money, I think that's definitely not the thing. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's changing now. As I mentioned before, it's really coming. Legislation is coming. Mindsets are changing. Prices are increasing. So it's it's just a it's a long game. And of course, we learned a lot. So also, we changed so much in our technology and on solutions. So we have to adapt to the market. We listen to the partners. And um, yeah, I think we need to be adaptable, of course, to different needs. So we also started basically also in the open world scenario with the coffee shops in the city where you can get it from A to B. And then we got the universities, uh, the big Danish universities afterwards, which was a bit different segment. Um, students are different than basically someone who goes to an expensive coffee shop. The companies behind operating with these universities have a different kind of cost structure, stuff like this. And then later on, we actually get corporate spaces like Danske Bank, Nodea, like really headquarters, which we also then realized they also want to change because there are a lot of cups in there, which doesn't make sense having single use cups in a building. Um, but then also the uh, yeah the setup is is different. You don't need to have over engineer this because a closed loop. So I think that's yeah I think it's that's also the the beautiful thing with a startup that you learn so much and you're able to adopt as well. So you're not really stiff. You can see okay this is a trend or here's a big need and then you can just tweak a bit of your solution and and serve your customers better and then you get the feedback from that. Yeah. So just so I understand as well. So say if I was a a customer and I wanted to have a reusable cup and I went into one coffee shop and used my reusable cup there and then if I went into another reusable coffee shop that was also in the scheme could I mm-hmm. then use it there as well 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay. that, but that's the idea of this this the system we built with I think yeah. around 150 partners now, where we really can um, do that. But also our data shows it's actually not so. I mean, we had they have the opportunity. I think we have in Copenhagen uh, quite good density. I think it was from our 150 partners, I think 130 or something are just in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's it's still kind of a close loop because there's a reason why you go to this coffee shop because it's maybe the best coffee or the mm-hmm. cheapest or you live close by or you work close by, all these things. And then uh, we actually see from the data that it's it's, it's quite the, the same loop. Um, yeah. Because you're just a person. Everyone has his habits, right? So it's also what we have to ch- fight against, against these habits out there. Uh, and, and even with reusables, uh, it's, it's basically the coffee. It's also a habit that you always get it from the same place and just return the cup the day after or, or once you have your the coffee um, consumed yeah okay so what's been the biggest win in the last 2.5 years wow this is uh, it's such a big question because we have many many wins um who um maybe getting some external funding someone trusting you with your own money i do i think that's maybe yeah i guess this is something it's a quite big thing having less and of course having also cafes with different partners in or attracting talent on, and getting employees and stuff like this. Uh, it's, it's really tough for me to say, but maybe right now, since we also fundraising, I think that someone trusts me, you with your with the money and believe in, in what we do and what we built so far and, and also believe that we make more money for them uh, in, in the long run. So I think that's, that's definitely something uh, yeah, really important. And also looking around in an environment where it's hard to attract money um there's a lot of money out there but of course a lot of startups coming and the, yeah the financial environment is not so easy and especially at this time attracting funds uh, was for us probably one of the, the biggest milestones yeah I guess, huh? no i can imagine it's very exciting and getting that funding in what was what did that enable you to do uh, it was super crucial point when we got it. Um, so basically, it helped us to to hire uh, expand the team of a CTO and a, a full time developer, like a really good one. Because before we were working with a lot of agencies uh, abroad, and um, of course, the way cheaper and, and less committed to that. And of course, the more hour they get, the more money they make. And yeah. now we, uh, for us, it was more now uh, really having like some some good two tech people who are able to build the product. And uh, so basically, and the, yeah, speaking of product for us, also we were in the pivot phase. We did what we do for two years and we realized, okay, we can improve this quite quite, quite massively. And, and thanks to the money, we were able to extend the runway higher and, and start building this. So it was really kind of uh, helping us quite a lot. And uh, without this, we would have been bankrupt, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, and it is doing this time. So just to keep that we can live on and, and, and really accelerate it. So it was really grateful to 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 receive the money at this perfect timing actually yeah definitely and I suppose on the flip side of that obviously the highs and lows there's definitely lows as well with the highs what's been the most frustrating thing in the last two and a half years um I think personally it's it's really like the the environment for us I mean um we are all experts like two Italians and me as a German and we 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 for us it's really like uh, we're pushing hard, we're executing, we really, really put a lot of hours into this building it. And sometimes we really see still as an outsider, even if it's a corporate company in Denmark, we don't speak the language, which is of course also our fault because we never really le- learned it. We started studying, we always surrounded by, uh, by, by internationals. And then later on, basically you can do business in English also quite well in Denmark. 
but we saw that that we since we don't have connections that others who are doing something similar we do they were just thriving better they always had already the meetings with people we wanted to talk mm-hmm. um and we believed and especially in the beginning that they all the um yeah, all the tractions, all the, the partnerships. It was, was not really about the um, about the product. It was more, okay, I know them or they Danes or something. So kind of this was really frustrating since uh, we put so much effort and we when you just compare the solutions or the tractions we have, but still, uh, since we're not Danish, we, we kind of see that um, that we have a hard time uh, in, in getting to know, or getting the right people where others, they just... Uh, write them and, and, and mid for coffee. So that was a, the most frustrating. So it's not, it's not, uh, I mean, it's fine if, if our solution is shit and the other is better. Okay, <laughs> do that. But just by, uh, by having, by being biased um, for, mm. for not being Danes, I think that was a bit the most frustrating one um, because we believe basically the best product should win or the best startup should win. So this is how it should look like. And uh, Yeah, no, I can imagine that is pretty frustrating. And is there any way that you've overcome it at all or is it still pretty much the same? Uh, yeah, I think we overcome it quite well since we were able to to show. I mean, there were other cases where basically people, um, yeah, they, 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 they worked with the others and then um, after time they did not really work and then they came to us and then it worked, stuff like this. So I think wow. that, that was quite nice, but still frustrating in the beginning. And uh, yeah, by just seeing we getting better, more partners and, they're just proving ourselves in the market and then actually realizing at some point that, okay, these are the guys who really deliver. Um, yeah. And other overcome is of course, like this also we're working on getting a board of directors or getting some, some people helping us opening doors, which we're not able to get since we are not a well. Um, so yeah, kind of these two things, I think, of course it's uh, the best solution will survive, but it's just sometimes frustrating when others get like the, the call first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose obviously the companies that obviously did come back to you in the end, they probably value your product more than they ever would if they come to you in the first place. So I suppose there is a little bit of a silver lining, but yeah, I can imagine it's pretty frustrating there. And yeah, but sometimes it's also negative for us since uh, okay. since actually we we, we be bringing uh, we want to fight uh, singles packaging and then then someone are willing to try it and they try it out and it doesn't work. Uh, so they really have to commit it that they try to try us as the second um, player. Right. I think that's also something. So sometimes it's it's also a bit negative. It's good that we all push forwards the, the same agenda um, that we stop single use. But sometimes there also I both I also experienced that people were then a bit more yeah reluctant to to start because they had bad experience pr- um, prior to us. Yeah, honestly, I think in recruitment industry, I can definitely relate to that as well. And I think we always say like, if you had a bad meal out, would you never eat out again? But I think it's a good analogy to have. But yeah, I definitely understand your frustrations there. And so what does the next three years look like for Clean Hub? I think now we're working, of course, uh, going in different segments, um, really also scaling abroad. We already have we are already in three countries. Um, but of course, the good thing with single use, the good thing uh, is that it's everywhere around the world. Um, so we're really interested in expanding to to other countries, um, and we were traveling a lot this year um, and also in the end of last year, since it's really a need everywhere. Um, so I think it's really scaling it up. Um, of course, always improving the technology, being out there, helping brands to to shift away. And I think I really hope that the next three, four, five years that the, that laws get improved and and really people also realize by themselves that this is the way. I think that at some point realize actually. We have to go back to the 
the milkman model, right? We can't mm. just live from single use. Recycling doesn't really work. Um, so I think that's that's the big step, scaling it up and improving it. Yeah, and you mentioned you're in three countries. What countries are you in at the minute? Yeah, we're right now at Denmark. We started and we launched in Ibiza in Spain. Oh, wow. Uh, and then we just launched in Portugal uh, nice. as well. Um, and can you let us know what's next on the agenda for countries or are you keeping that closed for now? <laughs> oh, I'm actually I'm moving in uh, three weeks to Brazil <laughs> so oh. to Rio de Janeiro because we have a pilot going on there as well. So that's very interesting. It was kind of part of a program from the European Union. And it led to some nice, interesting conversations. And there's huge, Rio de Janeiro is a, a massive city, a huge amount of plastic waste there. The, the system behind us as well. Like the waste system is also kind of uh, very, very different than what we have in Europe. So they need this there. The, the right. Brazil is like uh, the next one. We have interest with uh, just next week and meeting someone from regarding Austria. And we also kind of switching our product a bit that we can easier scale it to, a, to abroad. So um, yeah, I think I would say, because Germany is a very interesting market. I'm currently in Berlin here. Uh, visiting yeah. some friends. Um, also, of course, very interesting. But also here are very good, very good solutions out there as well. So, um, yeah, we don't have to really come here and help them. There are some others as well. So, yeah. And then, of course, there are many other future markets. We're just scoping and just seeing how legislation is changing, how competitive landscape are and all these things. So, you know, we're, doing, we're raising funds end of the year. And then also based on this, we will sit down and expand. So, Good thing is we everywhere is a need and uh, the solution works uh, in three different countries already and will work in others as well. So we're very yeah. confident that we have a solution we can expand soon. Yeah. So is that is that your main key points? Like look for com- look for countries that have a different waste management system and that have a lot of single use plastics in there. Yeah. Also, what we do is a is a city model, right? So, it's it's in in bigger cities, it wouldn't work in on small towns. So, it could also work in small towns. We also do that in Denmark. But I think the major of the single use product uh, consumption is by chains, is in cities, and of course. And then you look at when you look around uh, Germany with the inhabitants. So, how much waste is generated in the UK? So, there's of course Germany, UK actually quite similar when it comes to single use car production, um, uh, consumption. Sorry. And, um, but I think there's many, many factors we have to look at, like the, the size of the cities or the market, like how much waste is produced there. Of course, legislation is super important. I also like the culture of people, that people uh, yeah, have, do they have the deposit return system, stuff like this. So there's many, many factors. So we're basically how we can rate different countries. And then of course we, we see where it makes sense, how we should we expand uh, and in what kind of way. Uh, do we have some partners already? There was also with Brazil, for example, we already through some the travels of, um, from last year, we had already a very good setup. We said, okay, here we can um, start very, very fast and make an impact. Uh, if you have to go from you to Germany or some other countries, we, it would take us way more effort, way more money to, to get us off the ground. Mm. So yeah, there's many factors in there. And um, we got some good advisors as well who are helping us with these um, decisions. That's good. Um, and what would you change with the benefit of hindsight? Um, what I, in what, in what, I'm not sure if I understand that question correctly. Uh, so the benefit yeah. of hindsight, obviously looking back over the last few years, is there anything mm. that you would change? Um, yeah, it's always like the past is the past, and not spending too much effort on this. Of course, we tried to learn. Yeah, we have we made many uh, mistakes when it came also to hiring. Actually, we, we had okay. like a kind of a, C- a CTO or like some some guy we wanted to have a CTO. We hired him. We trust him a lot to build our product. In the end, we wasted huge amount of money and we didn't get anything. Same working with some agencies. 
so we had a high burn on 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 tech development uh, back in the days and we already sometimes it was already a bit shady or we offered him some shares he didn't want it he wanted the money and then it was like mm, it's kind of a red flag where we continued in the end it was like it was like bad so i think there's so maybe this uh this if you wouldn't have done this it would have helped of course at this point then yeah system wise we, we had some ideas to do it we did decide against it in the end we going back to it um even branding with i think maybe that's something interesting as well because our, our cups right now they're really clean they're really um like not branded at all like very in, invisible basically out there it's like a metal cup you can't see it many uh, my mentors told us or advisors back in the day so you guys you have to be very bold you have to be really flashy that people see it uh, and we didn't like the idea because we wanted to hey the, the cup needs to be durable right it, it, mm. it should last and if you have a powder coating or whatever it would it would be scratched and maybe people don't like it but then and actually now we kind of reversing that to so the future of the cups they will be more flashy more visible so people see it you'll be proud of it so that like some some of some of these changes later on would have been maybe better or would have helped us um, to be get more brand awareness and stuff like that but otherwise like just to sum it up i mean we have to make mistakes i think that's super important um yeah. uh, i think you have to you fail fast so in the end be happy that we failed this and we learned a lot from also these hiring mistakes we did um, to build now better things so in the end i think it's part of the journey we have to fail and uh, i wouldn't change anything in, in the end like this yeah no I, I appreciate you being honest as well i think a lot of people probably benefit from that um going back and what advice would you share for someone looking to start a new business today oh i think definitely do something with impact i think that's really the the area where we have to all go i mean we just spoke at the beginning about like the weather and everything how it's changing and then impact is um also have some friends who just um, quit their job and, and just trying to find something now with an, with an impact focus Mm-hmm. from a really high high salary pay job uh, cutting 50 percent of their salary just to to go into an impact startup i think so yeah anything with impact do that because that's that's what will be needed uh whatever it is carbon capture storage uh, better battery solar everything like this energy i think that's something uh, for sure uh, and then the other thing is of course something which makes fun uh, which is exciting for you like a personal thing which you really like and you can mm-hmm. put energy in and another advice is just do it, like just really start it, execute. Um, the same as we did, we just bought some cups from from China, Alibaba, basically. And then we went around, talked to cafes, not just sitting down and, and thinking how you want to build it or really trying to craft the perfect system. Is we really just go out, uh, test, talk to people, learn and just build on top and build on top and build on top. Um, because we see, I, I know some other startups who tried really to, craft a perfect system or craft a perfect product but it doesn't exist and until you're done it's already old right so really execution is always king in a startup world just to go out do it whatever it will be whatever segment um, and improve learn from real being in the market or talking to real people customers clients and all these things and, and improve from them i think that's probably the, the best advice i can give for also i, I received from from others yeah, I mean, you're spending so much time on it. It's going to take a lot of your time. You're spending your own money. It's got to be something that you're excited for and that you're involved in, that you're in it for the long run as well. So how can our listeners get involved with Clean Hub or with a cleaner lifestyle, basically? Um, first of all, find us on LinkedIn or Instagram. And Clean yeah. Hub is spelled with K-L-E-N-H-U-B. I'm wearing our t-shirt today. <laughs> 
uh, I think that's that's definitely a source of information to find more about us. Um, also, if they want to know more about it, uh, my email is robert at cleanup.com, so they can write us or write me uh, if there's any questions or any other advice, startup advice, or whatever it will be, funding advice, I'm happy to share um, stuff there as well. And for the personal lifestyle, I think it's really important to understand basically waste, I think is really, really important. Um, also, I did my bachelor and master thesis about electronic waste, actually. So okay. I was not, not really aware about this. And then once you dig into, so basically everything we consume uh, will be waste. Um, so the phone you buy, the, the drink you consume, the car you drive, or the solar panel you put on your own. So everything what we have at some point will be waste. Um, I think it's super important to just prolong it, not just buy, make every trend, buy mm. quality products and, and try also to avoid single use. Like just sit down, uh, drink the coffee in there, take the time, read a book, whatever, or just um, bring your own cup. Of course, it's always something we also say, bring your own, but this is sometimes uh, not possible. Try, try out new systems. Um, there are others out there like us uh, in the market. Give them a try. I just saw here Germany and a new new cup uh, in, a, in a coffee place that I tried it out and it's, it's nice. In the end, be open to more sustainable solutions um, and really think also the impact, like what, what your decisions make. That's, but then also, maybe this is also some, some really final thought I also want to share. Basically, it's always also the, it's not always us, it's also the industry, right? So we can, mm. of course, try to make, uh, consume less or to go packaging all this. But in the end, it's also the, the producers or like the, the governments uh, who flooding or the uh, flooding the world with single use. And, and if they change, it's easier for us to change as well. So yeah. I, I don't like too much that we are the, the bad ones we have to change. It's also the industry. If they create a better packaging, if they create a better uh, product, which is way easier to recycle, then it can work. So it's easier for the consumer in the end. That's well. Yeah, for sure. Now, it's been amazing to hear your story and have this chat with you, Robert. And thank you so much for your time. Oh, I think it will be a really exciting couple of years for you. So I wish you the best of luck and I hope Brazil goes well. Um, I'll be following your journey for sure. Um, but if anyone has any questions for Robert, obviously you've got his details there and I'll obviously put them um on the content as well going out so yeah it's been it's been lovely to speak with you thank you likewise thank you for having me and i joined so much no worries